You are listening to Termination Dust by Alana Terry, narrated by Becky Dowdy, and sponsored by the award-winning novel, The Beloved Daughter. Visit alanaterry.com beloved to listen to this gripping audiobook about a Christian girl in North Korea. And now, enjoy today's episode of Unabridged, the Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Chapter 10 If Taylor expected to find anything resembling privacy here, he'd obviously never spent much time in a daycare. Fortunately, Jade announced that lunch was ready a few minutes later. Kimmy and Taylor could talk in the playroom while Jade served up the kids in the kitchen. Kimmy pulled out the rocking chair, and Taylor sat on top of the coloring table. Kimmy didn't have the heart to ask him to move, and she hoped none of the kids would come out and see the trooper in uniform breaking one of the daycare rules. Taylor strummed his fingers on his thigh and looked perfectly at ease. Kimmy just wished he could lend her a fraction of his calm and self-possession. I wanted to talk to you about your mom. Kimmy felt her breath whooshing out her lungs. It was hard to tell if his words left her more surprised or relieved, but at least it didn't have to do with Pip. She had a hard time knowing where to look and found her eyes flitting between Taylor's black shiny boots, the glistening gold badge on his chest, and the tiny hint of stubble accenting a strongly defined jawline. This is a little awkward. Taylor's words belied his demeanor, which remained perfectly casual. We've had a few discussions at the station that have caused us to look a little bit deeper into your mother's case. Kimmy stared from his boots to his badge and back down again. What was he saying? Was her family in trouble because her mother killed herself? Taylor looked over his shoulder. The door to the kitchen was closed, and the empty playroom suddenly felt very large and very quiet. He lowered his voice. I hate to be the one to bring this up, but I thought, given the circumstances, it might be best to talk to you first, instead of going to your dad. Kimmy wanted to correct his mistake, but the word stepfather died on her lips before she could speak it. I can't go into details, and I know this is obviously a sensitive topic. I just wanted to give you a little warning so you aren't surprised. She had no idea what he was saying. She had no idea how she was expected to respond. When had people stopped speaking in plain English? She pried her eyes away from his badge and stared at her hands, which fidgeted in her lap. I'm afraid I don't really understand. He smiled at her and apologized. I guess I was being kind of vague. I don't want to sound like an alarmist or anything, but there's something I think you should know. Time, breath, even her pulse stood still while she waited. Taylor leveled his gaze and didn't say a word until she managed to raise her eyes to meet his. There's a chance they're going to open up an investigation looking into your mother's death. Kimmy understood the individual words, but not their coherent meaning when strung together. What was he saying? Taylor must have sensed her confusion. He let out a sigh, leaned forward, and explained, We're starting to think this might not have been a suicide after all. Chapter 11 
A moment later, Taylor returned from the kitchen and held out a Dixie cup full of tepid water, which Kimmy sipped in miniature installments. I'm sorry, he said. I should have waited to find a better time to talk. She stared at him, trying once more to piece together the meaning of his words. A dozen different questions jumbled in her brain, but she couldn't focus on a single one long enough to ask it. She replayed everything she remembered about that horrible day. Stepping into the garage, the surreal grisliness of it all, shouting for her stepdad, tackling Pip to keep him from coming in, waiting for what felt like hours for the troopers and ambulance crew to arrive. Not a suicide. Other members of the family have raised a few questions. This time his words' meaning came to Kimmy clearly. You mean my sister? Who else would voluntarily get in touch with the troopers like this? Kimmy had only talked to Meg that first day. Since Chuck refused to keep a landline and the tiny subdivision where they lived was notorious for its spotty cell coverage, she'd had to walk to the neighbors and beg to borrow her phone for such a private conversation. Taylor didn't deny that Meg had gotten involved. At the scene, he stopped himself. At your house, I mean, there were a few questions we had, and talking with your sister has raised even more. Kimmy's brain was spinning, but instead of an efficient machine taking her to the conclusions she needed to arrive at, the mental chaos was more like a hamster in a wheel, spinning helplessly, but always remaining in the exact same spot. What kind of questions? she found herself asking. Well, your sister says your mother wrote notes, notes about how she felt at home. He leveled his gaze. A few of the notes are at your sister's in Anchorage, but she thinks there's more. Can you think of any special place your mother may have kept them? A favorite hiding place? Somewhere private? Kimmy shook her head. The idea of privacy in a family like Chuck's was almost humorous. Taylor sighed. Well, if you think of something, will you let me know? Sure. Kimmy stared at the wall. Taylor waited until she looked straight at him. Do you feel safe at home? Kimmy bristled. What happened in the privacy of Chuck's trailer was her business and no one else's. Nobody, not even an Alaska state trooper in his impeccably pressed uniform, had the right to pry into her life, unlocking all those secrets she vowed to keep buried and hidden. She tilted up her chin. Of course I do. His eyes were full of empathy, and at that moment she wished she could escape his intense scrutiny. If you're sure, some of the things your sister told us... Meg's Meg, Kimmy announced, as if that were all the explanation necessary. She's dealing with her grief the only way she knows how. I'm just sorry it's causing more trouble and hassle for you at the station. Taylor didn't look away as he reached into his breast pocket... I want you to have my card, he said. I'm writing my cell number on the back. You can call me any time. Call me at the station or at home if it's an emergency. She had no idea just what kind of emergency she was expected to find herself in and certainly didn't feel like asking. She took the card, shoved it into her pocket, and vowed to forget about it. 
Forget Taylor and forget this nonsense about her mother's death. Meg was Meg, which might not mean anything to the trooper, but it meant a lot to her. Her sister was only out to raise trouble. That was all. Who knew what kind of lies she'd concocted about Kimmy and Pip and their life with Chuck? How would Meg even know? She hadn't been up to visit in years. Taylor continued to stare at her intently, and she wished her mother hadn't raised her to be the kind of girl who was perfectly polite, perfectly unable to cut a conversation short because she didn't want to appear rude. She had no idea what this trooper was suspecting or insinuating, but she didn't have to sit here and take it. She could tell him to leave. It wasn't as if he owned the daycare. But she continued to sit and stare, hoping he'd end the meeting on his own. I want you to think about what's best for your brother. What was he suggesting? Think about what was best for Pip? What else did Kimmy have to think about since their mother died? If she weren't thinking about what was best for Pip, she'd be in Anchorage by now, maybe even on her way to the lower 48 if she found a way to get down there, a way to escape this chaos that had consumed her life. Taylor had no idea what he was talking about. I really should get back to work now. Kimmy glanced up at an imaginary clock on the wall. Thank you for your concern. Even now, she was unable to drop her upbringing, unable to be anything but polite and cordial. Taylor reached out and touched her wrist. He didn't grab it, or she would have jerked away. The touch was shocking. Kimmy sat frozen for just a second. I just want to make sure you're safe, you and your brother both. If Taylor was concerned for her safety, like he claimed... He should have thought about that before talking about investigations prying into her private family affairs. If he wanted what was best for Pip, he'd stay far away from her home, from her stepfather. Chuck hadn't been named as a suspect, but Kimmy was certain that if her sister were involved, Meg would have blamed Chuck. For years, Meg had begged Mom to leave Glen Allen or at the very least to let Kimmy come live with her and her new husband in Anchorage. Finally, the fighting grew ugly enough that Chuck refused to let Mom have anything to do with her oldest daughter. It was just like Meg, spiteful, selfish Meg, to go around making accusations. Not that they were entirely baseless. How many times had Chuck threatened to murder Kimmy's mom? How many times, in a drunken rage, had he beaten her so badly she passed out? Kimmy's core was shaking when she walked the trooper to the door of the daycare, but it wasn't because she was mad at his suggestion Mom's death might not have been a suicide. It was because he'd confirmed Kimmy's most secret fear, the one she'd been trying desperately to hide even from herself, that her stepfather could actually have committed the murder. Chapter 12 Kimmy had a terrible headache and was grateful for Jade's help in getting the kids ready for their afternoon nap. Only a few of them fell asleep, but the rest managed to remain relatively quiet, looking at books or playing with a toy or two in their cots. Jade was getting ready to organize the bookshelves when Kimmy came behind her. Hey, 
she tried to keep her voice sounding as natural as possible. Jade glanced up, and Kimmy rubbed her sweaty palms against her jeans. Um, do you still have free long distance on your cell? Jade pulled out her earbuds and yanked her phone out of her pocket. Yeah, you need to call someone? All her co-workers at the daycare knew about Kimmy's phone situation, and whether or not they thought it was weird that a young woman living in the present day could survive without a cell phone or even a landline at her house, they always let her borrow their phones to make quick calls here and there. Kimmy reached out for the cell, shuffling her feet and not quite able to meet Jade's gaze. It might be a little longer than normal. I haven't really talked with any of the relatives since Mom died and... Jade waved her hand in the air. Take it. Go. You can even head outside or something if you want privacy. We're fine here for a while. Kimmy wasn't sure if she should be hurt by the way Jade was acting so dismissively or if she should simply be grateful for the chance to connect with someone outside Glen Allen. I'll try not to be too long, she promised. Grabbing her coat, she made sure that Pip was comfortable in his cot. He was one of the only kids who regularly managed to drift off to sleep, and he was already drooling slightly when Kimmy made her way out to the playground. Sitting down on one of the swings, Kimmy dialed the number from memory, begging it to go through. Please pick up, please pick up. Kimmy let out a simultaneous sigh of relief and a shiver from the cold. Swinging her legs softly back and forth, she found her voice. Hey, Meg, it's me, Kimmy. Got a minute? We need to talk about Mom. You've been listening to Termination Dust by Alana Terry. Today's episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast is sponsored by The Beloved Daughter Audiobook, available exclusively on Audible. Visit alanaterry.com slash beloved to download the Beloved Daughter audiobook, narrated by two-time Audi Award winner Kathy Garber. If you're new to Audible, you can listen to this award-winning novel right away with a no-risk 30-day free trial when you go to alanaterry.com slash beloved. And don't forget to tune in soon for the next installment of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Thanks for listening.